Today on the show, Latina Programmata Computatoris Est, a QB meets an OP, a sanctuary for the unborn in Texas. Texas Newman predicts the future of conscience, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. I almost got through that whole thing you without it. I almost didn't. The Latin was fine. Uh, it's time for the Catholic Underground. We are the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 405. I am Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, they're all here. Kathleen Lee, who's the executive director of the Women's New Life Clinic Ooh. in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Kathleen, glad to have you back. I'm glad to be back. Tyler did well. Okay, he good, did very well. Good, good, but good. Kathleen is unrepeatable. I'm like a, a bad rash. You can't get rid of me. Yikes. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I don't know how to segue out of that, so I'll just say Olivia Galino uh, is here, um, and she is a student of life. She's our resident Italian food critic. Hey, Olivia. Hello, it's me. It's a you. It's a you. <laughs> Although Kathleen made the Italian food today. She made kind of it's a true. quasi-caprese. Yes. Yeah, I'm not making fun of you. It was good. No, uh, it was really good. Why? Are we, let's go up fun. to the satellite, uh, shall we? To the Jeff Star One I'll near Earth Jeff orbit satellite. satellite. <laughs> you didn't send any up. And a, and a Jeff Blackwell. Uh, Jeff's our tech director. Hey, Jeff. Good evening. <laughs> good evening. Also, uh, Ed is working the video on the uh, the uh, satellite up there. So we have a few new video things happening. If you're watching us on the radio or the podcast. And uh, so pay attention. As I said before the show, if it all goes horribly wrong, you're going to have a laugh. Well, (laughs) all right. So I uh, have been trying desperately to kind of uh, up my game with uh, learning Latin. Okay. Because it's important to know. Right. And uh, especially as a priest. Right. But uh, but even Pope Francis would say that it's important to, to learn, to know how to speak to the hearts of the young, know how to treasure the very rich heritage of the Latin tradition to educate those in the path of life. So Latin important. The, yep. you know, it's uh, the official language of the church. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. Because Still. I have a theology degree. A lot of people are surprised to, to learn that, actually. Yep. In fact, there, there is a Latin scholar, Jeff, in Rome, whose job is to, uh, to kind of come up with the new words that we might need here in 2019. Oh, so job. people are saying, yeah, Latin's a dead language. I, I mean, maybe they say it that way. I don't know. Uh, yeah, no. I think so. But for yeah. those who say Latin is a dead language, it's very much alive because Mother Church has taken it and she continues to use it in all of her official documents mm-hmm. and her liturgy. And then anytime kind of a new word comes up, like computer, um, there is a Latin scholar that works for the Vatican at the Vatican who declines all of these words and, so cool. and inserts them into, uh, into linguistic use. Nice. It's better than in the German. They just do der computer. Yeah, that's right. They just kind of <laughs> use cheating. the American thing. And I think in Latin there's some of that too. But uh, but one of the beautiful things about the language is that if you have a scholar who knows the roots of words right. and where these things come from, yeah. they might be able to come up with a word that is perhaps, that doesn't sound like computer, right. but says what a computer does or something yeah. like that. So you get a sense of the root. Yeah. Uh, so this is like the church's equivalent to nail polish namers. Oh. Kind of, because yes. yours has a weird name. Your yes. nail polish, girls That's gone right. plaid. We are talking about that, yes. folks. On the well, Catholic I mean, I mean, but how fun? Like, this is a little bit more sophisticated. <laughs> but how cool is that to be able to come up with, or to you know, yeah, to come up with, invent words yeah. that weren't original to the, aren't original to the language, mm-hmm. but are necessary for the church to be um, 
up with the times. Yeah, you know that's true. And and so say you want to learn the Latin language. Well, there is an app for that. Hmm. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with Duolingo. Yeah, Duolingo is one of several different types of uh, of, of Latin language apps. And, uh, and they just added a classical Latin course. Very cool. And so uh, we, we, we may be able to show it to you on the, on the video monitors if you're watching us. Um, uh, if oh. You, yeah, yeah. We have to switch over to, yeah. the, uh, to the Apple TV um, source on our, on our video switcher. It's one of the super sources there at uh, Apple wow. TV. And, uh, and so uh, if you, it's not, it's not going to go on that monitor. Uh, anyway, so sorry. This is this is the new thing we're trying out. Yeah. So anyway, so it's it's a it's a language learning tool, just like you you might have mm-hmm. uh, for any of the languages. Yeah. And they have a, a full on Latin course, Very which is really cool. really neat. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it takes you through. Right now, I'm in um, in intro and greetings and where things are, and it get, takes you through the plurals. Mm. The only like my only critique of it. Yeah. My only critique. Would be um, would be that it, it uses classical pronunciation. Yeah, and and I know this is this is one How of Olivia's critiques they. as well. Um, I don't mind the classical pronunciation. I know that it's not like as roll off a tonguey as the ecclesiastical pronunciation. Yeah. However, it is a classical pronunciation. It's important. Okay. Hmm. Uh, Anyway, so ecclesiastical Latin is, is pronounced a little differently, uh, but uh, but you can go through these these little um, lessons, okay. and it, it works just like any other um, any other lesson. You go through it, and it's got uh, you get little experience points, so you feel like you're leveling up, yeah. you know. And uh, also, let's see. So these olives are in Rome, and then you have three options. Uh, Romani habitant he olive, habitant Rome he olive, and he olive Rome sunt. And so you pick the one that you think that it probably is. And let's see, these olives aren't Rome. Because I don't. And I'm right. Oh, good. Okay. So, yeah. And so you go through these, and uh, the idea is that you level up how the Latin language works in your brain. Nice. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll put the, in the show notes uh, what, that, uh, what that is. So, mm, much less yeah. violent than the Latin that I learned. Because <laughs> when you learn it, and like when you learn it from a textbook, literally all the words that you learn are like how to kill, how to die. Like, because you're oh. like following a family like through classical, uh, oh, like, like through Rome. a day in the life. Yeah. So you like follow a family, but then there's just like lots of death. And so, like, I one of our jokes in high school because I took Latin all through high school was like one of our jokes is that we never learned how to say hi or thank you, <laughs> but we knew like twelve different ways to like say that someone had died. Oh, I see. Wow. Yeah, but which yeah, reminds so this me, of much course, nicer olives. You know, of the of the old adage, Jeff, uh, Latin is a language as dead as dead can be. First, it killed the Romans. Now it's killing me. <laughs> that is actually not true, thanks to uh, well, the church keeping it alive. Well, in honor of that. Yeah. A little rim shot for you there, Father. All right. Wow. Yeah, there you go. All right. So so if you if you find yourself in need of wanting to learn Latin or any of the languages, Duolingo has all of those. All right. So th- this was this I, I have to explain that this is kind of a shortened yeah. um, segment mm-hmm. because we want to have to let Kathleen have the opportunity to talk about something that's important <laughs> to her. <laughs> Catholic and, men. <laughs> and that's a, a football player, right? So, and he plays football. And he's pointing at you. Oh, see? look at him. Yeah. Oh, he's hey, hey, okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So who is this guy? This guy is uh, the quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers. His name is Philip Rivers. Now, two weeks ago, from the live version of this show, two mm-hmm. weeks ago, um, when he, well, maybe not two weeks ago, 
Anyway. A little while back. A little while back. Um, he, when he took the field to face the Detroit Lions, it might have been last weekend, on their home turf, he spotted <laughs> some very friendly faces on the sidelines. They happened to be several Dominican sisters. Mm-hmm. And if you're watching, the Dominican sisters of Mary, and if you're watching the, the video feed, they are so, it's so cute. He runs up. Because he runs up and he says hello and then he wants to take a picture with them. Absolutely. Now they're based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, and they were super excited uh, to see him come over um, just before before kickoff. Now, Rivers is a devout Catholic. Um, he's an old friend of the order, so he's he knows the Dominicans for sure, uh, which was founded in 1997 by four sisters whose mission was to establish a new religious community that combined their Dominican monastic heritage with their commitment to the new evangelization. Mm-hmm. So how cool is that, that the old and the new come together in this beautiful, beautiful order? Now, um, he is married to his wife, Tiffany, um, and they have supported the community since 2012. Mm. And um, in 2015, the sisters actually awarded him the 2015 Medal of St. Dominic. Oh, yeah. Wow. So they were recognizing his life of service and faith, um, highlighting the seriousness which he sees himself as a role model. And he really has. He's He's been very um, outspoken about his faith. In fact, um, he and his wife welcomed their ninth child in March of 2019. Wow. And I remember there was a there was an, an interview with him where I think the I think the reporter asked some ridiculous question like, um, like you know, are you you're you guys are gonna stop having babies now? And he was like, no, <laughs> that's not how this works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, talk to my wife. You know, yeah. so it was it's just a beautiful um, witness to marriage to family. Um, he attends mass before every game. Um, he has received an honorary degree from the Catholic University of America in 2014. Wow. I want to go there. I wanted to so bad. <laughs> I still kind of do. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to go there too. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't. I was fine with where I was. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So there is a Latin connection to, uh, to uh, Mr. Rivers there. Yeah. So there's a very famous phrase that uh, actually he wears in, on his practice, uh, in his practice T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, Nunc chepi. Yeah. Nunc. Nunc chepi. Right? Yeah. There you go. Now. Now. now, Nunc. Yeah. Now chepi. uh, Like incipit, huh? Like to begin. Now I begin. Ah. And that's a a quote from from St. Josemaria Escriva. Ah. Whenever my strength fails me with God's help, I get up and I begin again. Just like St. Jose Maria says, Nunc chepi. Now I I begin. Basically, get up and go and get it get it done you know excellent and so uh so he makes a, a big deal about the fact that that actually helps him in practice yeah. the, mm. the that latin phrase from from really the history cool. of the saints mm-hmm. when he received his degree um he told those people who were assembled that his priorities were faith family and football in that order mm-hmm. faith family and football mm-hmm. um, and that's that's a beautiful thing now his visit with the sisters unfortunately did not help him uh, beat the Lions who won 13 to 10 mm. um, but it certainly is a a phenomenal win in our book because it's the cutest the cutest, the cutest. <laughs> it's the cutest video I've ever seen in my life it is the cutest <laughs> it is right and so in 2016 um, the sisters actually made a trip to the Charger training camp how cool I mean just how cool is that and mm. we see that down here in New Orleans with um, the the presence of religious yeah. at the Saints games um, both real and <laughs> yeah. not real uh, yeah. but we, the Archbishop goes there are many priests there there are uh, Dominican sisters who go to um, to the games and it's really cool thing to see that that's a part of 
um, that, that's important to him. Yeah. Um, that he would see those people. And I'm sure there's a million people who want to say hello before a game. Yeah. But he saw them and he sought them out. And their little faces are so mm-hmm. cute because they're like, he's coming over. Yeah. To see um, a, a yeah. nun just lobbing a football at yeah. practice too. Is yeah. Really, it's really quite something. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's really a beautiful thing because it's important, I think, for us to see uh, people who are practicing their faith who are in what we would consider kind of professional environments. Right. You know, oftentimes we, we tend to think that if somebody goes pro, then immediately they sell out, right. so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's not the case. And in fact, um, as Nunc Chapi says, on now I begin, there's the notion that when I do have some form of notoriety, uh, even then, all the more, I have to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ yeah. because the camera's always on me, because I'm, I'm always in the spotlight whether I want it or not. Right. And so how cool it is to see, uh, to see somebody like... Um, like Philip Rivers. So, uh, Philip, you get our CU hats off yes, today for uh, for being a good Catholic and uh, supporting a good a good order of religious sisters. Mm-hmm. The sisters, uh, Dominican sisters of Mary in Ann Arbor, are um, I believe the kids would say hardcore still. I don't know. If they, I think you know, so. I don't know what they would say. Yeah, and you definitely get I'm, a check. I'm very old now. That's okay. <laughs> it's, it's okay. And yeah. you definitely get a check in our book until you play the saints, and then. And then complete annihilation. Well, because you have the saints, which are kind of a communion of players. Yeah. And you have him. So I don't know how many other Catholics are on the team there for the the LA Chargers. Oh, yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. Who can say? I know I can. Because the saints are going to win. Yeah. Yeah. Where is where is my buddy Clayton in the chat room? uh, Who's who was one of my seminary uh, uh, buddies who who married and knows every sports statistic. Like he is a gray sports almanac from Back to the Future Part Two in his head. Wow. Um, I don't know if he knows future wow. games. Maybe I should get closer to my friend Clayton if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could do some good work for Catholic Radio. Anyway, so yeah, um, good job there. Uh, Philip Rivers, the LA Chargers, Catholic and loving it. Well, you know, something uh, that we love is, well, this show that we do. Yeah. We are the Catholic Underground. Alrighty, you are listening to and watching and experiencing in general the Catholic Underground. We're online at catholicunderground.tv. I'm Father Chris, joined by Kathleen Lee, by Olivia Galino, by the inimitable also Jeff Blackwell up in space, and Ed, who is just rocking and rolling on the video feed. He's uh, he's getting all creative over there, even despite my technology not working here on my phone. We, we figured out a way for the phone to, to hook up to our video stuff. Yeah, which is super and, cool. And it decided that it didn't want to do so nope. on cue. But yeah. these things happen. Yeah. Our picks of the week are coming up. But first, we, uh, we want to spend a little bit of time talking about one of several towns in yep. Texas that Texas, are yeah. really doing some beautiful pro-life things. Exactly. Yeah. Omaha, Texas. Not to be confused with Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Texas. In Omaha, Texas, on September 9th, um, the city of Omaha unanimously passed an ordinance outlawing abortion within city limits. Mm-hmm. Right? Making Actually making Omaha the second city in the nation to do so behind another Texas city, Wascom. Wascom. That's a neat name for a town. Wascom. To so all of you Catholics mm-hmm. in Wascom, you know, we hi. <laughs> I guess. Good to see you. You should say hello. Absolutely. Yeah, and then shortly after um, after Omaha, the city of Naples. Yep. Also Texas. Also in Texas. Okay, all right. Quickly followed suit the same day with a five to one vote. What? It says <laughs> this. The ordinance reads, quote, to protect the health and welfare of all residents within the city of Omaha, including the unborn mm-hmm. 
and women, the city council has found it necessary to outlaw human abortion within the city limits. Interesting. Y'all, this, when we talk about like pro-life versus pro-choice and, and wh- how come abortion is made legal, how can it be legal? It's all about the wording, mm-hmm. right? If we don't call something a human being, then it's so much easier to dismiss it or to get rid of it or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's cities like this that are standing up and saying, this is a citizen, this unborn child is a citizen of our city and we want to protect all of our citizens. And mm-hmm. That's really quite something, a pre-born citizen, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, doesn't yet have the, the, the right to vote, but has has the right of, yeah. of human dignity, you know, right. uh, and, and that's, that's the most fundamental and the most basic. Yeah, yeah. The text also states uh, that unborn babies, quote, are the most innocent among us and deserve equal protection under the law as any other member of our American posterity as defined by the United States Constitution. Also asserting, quote, there is no language anywhere in the Constitution that even remotely suggests that abortion is a constitutional right. These are strong, strong words. They are. And it's incredible to see this um, in our legislation. Um, and, you know, we, we have, in Louisiana, we're very pro-life. Um, but it's it's so beautiful to be able to see it in other places as well, mm. uh, especially a, a, a state as large as Texas. Yeah, and to recognize that this is not just uh, as as kind of the abortion industry, and right. it is an industry, would have us believe that these are small pockets of so of quote unquote resistance right. to the to the pro choice movement, but rather this is this is an embracing of a value, uh, really of a virtue uh, for for life that that is is not just a pocket right right it, it's an mm-hmm. entire town um and what was really interesting is is that it's it's um it, it's also kind of a um a movement forward for for women too mm-hmm. because right. because this is this is something that dignifies women as exactly. well exactly exactly yeah now speaking of women in wascom the first city um they they got a little a little grief because the the law in in um Naples. Wascom, oh, Wascom. Wascom mm-hmm. was passed by an all-male mm. city council. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, they claimed um, they were curtailing the reproductive freedom of a demographic uh-huh. that didn't have a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the the Omaha City Council was majority female. Wow. And, and in fact, uh, Naples councilwoman Sally Buford, who um, led the initiative in all three cities, said, I hate abortion, and I don't want to see an abortion clinic in our city. Mm. Mm-hmm. What? Then the then Naples the Naples mayor pro tem Jacob Wilson um, actually wrote on Facebook that he was truly proud to be the one to make the motion to pass this bill. Mm-hmm. Y'all, this is I mean this is incredible. Yeah. It's just incredible to see people actually you know politicians actually coming through with what they what they believe in. Yeah. You know you want to talk about Philip Rivers and taking a platform on the on the football field. Mm-hmm. You know I'm, we are seeing a lot of politicians. Uh, really stand up for life, and mm-hmm. you know it's 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 an interesting thing to see. And it's a beautiful thing to see too, because uh, if we do not stand up for the most vulnerable in our society, right. then we might as well phone it in for everybody in our society. Right. You know, and that's what I think we we fail to recognize is that abortion. And I say this from the pulpit when I speak about it: um, the abortion is not a political issue; it's a life issue; it's a moral issue that has been made into a political football. Mm -hmm. And if you can just kind of play catch with this political issue, 
then it separates uh, it separates the the human person that's right. that's the the object of this into kind of a concept and a mm-hmm. concept can be melded and meshed and moved around yeah. but but a person um, is you y- you have to stare into into those eyes you know right. um, into the 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 unborn eyes of of a child yeah. and say mm-hmm. i I have to reckon with whether this is right or whether this is wrong. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's more comfortable to contend with these things in that political realm. Cause like you were saying, like it's something that we construct, right? Like mm-hmm. any society, any political system is like the invention of human hands. Yeah. yeah. So of course, like it's much more comfortable to drag those things, those moral issues into the political sphere, because then that's where we can manipulate them. That's where theory kind of reigns. Right. Um, and if everything's on like an equal playing field and you just have this, like this, array of options of theories yeah Mm -hmm. then yeah i mean it's much easier to go into a a kind of deus ex machina Mm -hmm. kind of mindset um and then we become god but it's also like where we're more comfortable right things are much more comfortable when it's just a theory and as i was i was talking to somebody the other day about what happens whenever we try to become god we can't create in and of our own power we don't have the power to create out of nothing uh, we can cooperate with creation, right? We can we can make beautiful things out of the things that God has given us. Right. But if we try to take the place of God, the only way that we can mimic creation is by destruction. Mm. You see, that's the weird inverse of how our humanity becomes flanged without God, mm. is we think that in order to create, we then have to be able to choose how to destroy. And and so you can't have these sorts of discussions without, without saying, well... Um, what, what's higher than me? Mm-hmm. You know, what right. is higher than me? And that also involves getting words right. We were talking about that at the, the beginning of the show, how um, it's not just a, an easy thing to, to determine what Latin word is going to represent something in a papal document. Right. And one of the things that happened for these city ordinances is, as you said, they took the time to define what a human person is and how that fits into the yeah. law. And then, of course, what uh, an abortion is, too. They yeah. made sure that they define their terms. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they go on to say, uh, define surgical or chemical abortion as the purposeful and intentional ending of a human life. Right, And that's important because we're talking about a human life. Mm-hmm. And that, that has been up for debate in all of, in all of this you know, hoopla. And the whole thing, that's yeah. the debate. All these what court is, cases, right, what is a human? What is a human life, mm-hmm. right? And classifying it as murder with malice aforethought. Murder with malice aforethought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, rulings or opinions from the Supreme Court that uh, purport to establish or enforce a constitutional right to abort an, unchi- an unborn child are declared to be unconstitutional, you usurpations usurpations That's of a, judicial of power. judicial power mm-hmm. yes according to this ordinance um and now there the the near identical um naples and omaha ordinances um are going to be they're from what i understand they're going to be very much like tr- the trigger laws here in, in louisiana mm-hmm. um that the the they won't be enforced unless uh, and until the Supreme Court overrules Roe versus Wade, I see. So, but right. they're on the books, right. To go into right. effect, yeah. And so, so much like the ones that are uh, in a, that are trigger laws here in Louisiana, as soon as that goes into effect, there is no argument. There is no right. It's it's um, done. It's mm-hmm. just done, and it makes it makes it very easy for states to to you know who mm-hmm. are pro life to just be pro life. That's right. And yeah. uh, and I tell you, you know. <laughs> In your family, in your family, when you choose life and you choose not to contracept, 
uh, more life comes forth, right? Yeah. Um, whenever you choose life in your family, you begin to see sprigs of new life that 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 blossom in ways that are that are far more just than biological, right? That are that are spiritual. Yeah. And imagine when when a, a township mm-hmm. and a city and and a larger city and a metropolis right. and a state and a country begin yeah. to to think in this new way um, that really is quite old. <laughs> it's right. as old as the book of Genesis. Right. When we begin to to look at God as the author of life and say, How can I how can I plug into what you were doing, O Lord? Right. We can't stop the right. life that will come forth and exactly. the, 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 the spiritual um, renewal that will take place in, in us and in our country yeah. and society. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about this all the time at the clinic is are we ready? Are we truly ready for um, for an abortion free Louisiana? What does that mm-hmm. mean for us? Yeah. Um, you know, we can we our, our doors are open. Monday through Friday at the Women's at New Life, Women's Life Clinic, Clinic mm-hmm. right? Um, but can you imagine where if you know if Roe v. Wade is overturned, how are we going to help these women? Yeah, yeah. because there's still going to be women who are finding themselves in, in unplanned crisis, crisis pregnancies, yeah. mm-hmm. and so are we ready? And we really have to look at that as a pro-life, you know, as a church community, as a pro-life, you know, civil community. Yeah. Are we ready? to provide, you know, and we can, we can pass laws all day long, which is great. Um, but if we don't, you know, find resources for these women, have, you know, sexual education that, you know, talks about abstinence and, 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 you know, um, and what procreation chastity. is yeah. rather than just reproduction. And what happened? Yeah. yeah. There was a, you know, I heard a pro, uh, um, um, she was part of Abby Johnson's and then there were none. And she mm-hmm. was, so she was a former Planned Parenthood worker mm-hmm. and she was sent in to, to teach the kids about sexual education. And she was shocked cause she was going into like seventh and eighth grade. Yeah. And she said, has anybody ever told you guys that you don't have to have sex? Mm-hmm. And they were like, what? Nobody has ever told us that. Mm-hmm. We just assume that these kids are going to, you know, right. are going to have sex. So we might as well, you know, yeah. help them. Right. And it's like, or force them. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like, man, can we think about that idea? Like this idea of chastity and abstinence and, mm. and what that means for people. I, I And honestly, I guess I come from a different generation. I, I never would have considered from the other. I never right. would have thought about yeah. that. Yeah. That really is something. It's kind mm-hmm. of a an inversion of, of gift, of yeah. the gift, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I spoke to um, a doctor on a panel one time and he said, um, he's a little bit older, probably in his seventies, and he said, "You know, abortion wasn't a thing in my time because premarital or extramarital sex wasn't a thing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that we dated was very chaste and very intentional, um, and that's not the case now. And so we can't always look at, you know, abortion as the issue. We have to look at its deep roots, mm-hmm. and are we ready to to you know to uproot that and to to be there for women." Um, in a in a very real way, um, when there's no when there's no quote unquote alternative. And when looking at things like this are important. They begin to kind of build uh, yeah. those those uh, those kind of building blocks for mm-hmm. seeing a culture of life and realizing right. it. So uh, so kudos to you, Texas. We're giving a lot of CU hats yeah. off for this, but uh, how beautiful that is, and uh, what could be do- going on in your uh, township to support life. We could ask that question, but first we have to take a break. We're at the Catholic Underground. Stay right there. Hail Holy Queen. 
Mother of mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Welcome back to the Catholic Underground. Uh, I am Father Chris Decker, joined by Kathleen Lee, Olivia Galino, Jeff Blackwell, and Ed Ball over in the ball pit. And uh, yeah, our picks of the week are indeed coming up, uh, but but we have to talk about a new saint. Well, yes. uh, by the time you will have seen this, if you're not watching us live, you will be a new saint. Yeah. And that is uh, Saint John Henry Newman. Yes, I'm so excited. Who, it's really something because if you look at at uh, the panoply of his writing, right? I'm told that it's not good to use those words, panoply. Panoply. If you look at all of his writing, um, <laughs> then then you will see that that on the one hand he he is incredibly quote unquote conservative mm-hmm. in the way that that he comes at theology, mm-hmm. but then if you read other of his writings, he's incredibly progressive, mm-hmm. and yet these two things can exist side by side because as long as there is no license, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can actually see how uh, allowing what the Lord allows in his church and disallowing what the Lord does not allow make for a, a well-rounded uh, kind of uh, meandering through theology. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about John Henry Newman, and especially when he talks about moral concepts like yes. conscience. Yeah, and and that's particularly on the issue of conscience that he tends to like kick up a lot of dust. Mm-hmm. People, if they don't like Newman, it's because of that. Uh, and that was one yeah. of those things where like I, when I was first introduced to Newman, I really respected him. I loved the way he, that he wrote. I loved that he was really honest about how he came to know certain things and that a lot of his writing is just kind of like self-exploration. Like, well, I want to understand yeah. this better, mm-hmm. so I'm going to write about it. I'm going to research about it and and find my way to a conclusion. He's very like authentic and open about like I just want to end up somewhere true. Which right? is really kind of the the real work of an academic. Yeah, yeah exactly. But also somebody who has a deep uh, spiritual sense, right? Exactly. Yeah, and understanding that like he will end up somewhere true and that it won't destroy where he's at right now. Hmm. Um and so I always appreciated that about him and then I would meet certain people who would just you know kind of roll their eyes like oh yeah, Newman. Mm-hmm. And I would be really confused about that but, like I I mean, I thought it was cool. I like, like I liked him. <laughs> like is that not is that, we're not we're not doing that? Like mm-hmm. um and so that's been one of those things that I've had to to not wrestle with myself but just like come to realize why people might have those certain thoughts and I think that it comes from a misunderstanding of those terms that you just use, like conservative yeah. and progressive, mm-hmm. right? Because those mean very different things to us now. Especially because of the political realm in which they live. Exactly. And then it is from the political realm that we inject them into yeah. a theological language. Exactly. Where they don't belong. Talk. Church <laughs> They talk. really don't belong. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and especially not understanding the way that they use certain terms. Like he talks about liberalism, but he's not talking about a political system. Right. Right. So if we don't know that, then you read his writings or you have a you know, snippet from something that he wrote and you're going to think that he's just this staunch kind of in today's words like conservative who you know is is rigid to the point of of um like n- not allowing any kind of new life right, into the, of, into of the hitting church. everyone with a two by four yeah, right, yeah and that's not him 
at all. Um, so first of all, just to like give some preface on John Henry Newman. You know, he was a um, he lived from 1801 to 1890, so he had a nice long life. Um, but he was a celebrated theologian. He was an Oratorian priest, um, and about halfway through his life, he converted from Anglicanism to Roman Catholicism. Mm-hmm. So he didn't spend the majority of his life as a Catholic. Well, I mean, roughly half. Um, but it's something that he had to. Um, He's something that he had to, to come to, something that he had to discover. Um, and he's the one who said that, you know, by studying history, that's how he found his way into the church. That's right. right? He who studies history ceases to be Protestant, that's I believe, right. yeah. is the, is the uh-huh. quote. Exactly, yeah. Um, so he will be canonized a week from today on October 13th. Of 2019. Of 2019, yes. Yeah. I'm so excited. If you're watching us in the archives, it was 2019. It was 2019. Mm-hmm. Long, long ago. <laughs> that's right. um, yeah. We were so young. <laughs> Future us. Look at past us. We were so young. Anyway, Look how yeah. cute we are. That's a, oh my gosh, I'm having, this is a trippy experience for me. Future Olivia, is it you? Um, so, like we said, like when this canonization takes place, it's already kind of happening. Um, people are going to start bringing up these conversations again. So it's important to just like let's talk about what he really said. Um, and especially because Newman has been many things to many people. Um, he had that conservative outlook on things like divine revelation, humanity standing before God. But then he also advanced certain ideas, like um, the development of doctrine. Which is a huge mm-hmm. component it, of church theology. It really now. is. And he did a lot of that work. Like the his, the essay that he wrote, it's not an essay, but it's you know a nice little tome on the development of doctrine. It's crucial to what we understand about development of doctrine mm-hmm. um, and how that happens authentically and it, how it happens maybe inauthentically, right? He has certain parameters that he put in place or that he posited as, okay, this is how you can know that a doctrine is developing authentically versus not authentically. Mm-hmm. That's huge. We need That's that, right? right? Yeah, you, you need to know uh, how the teachings of the church are progressing along the uh, the ideals of Jesus Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit yeah. in the church today. Yeah. And then how they're maybe being co-opted or are not. Exactly, yeah. And so he was very, I guess, progressive, if you want to say, about putting that forward. Um, but then he's also had advanced ideas about um, like the responsibility of the hierarchy of the church to consult the faithful, right? The census fidei. Um, and that both of those... Um, forays into those ideas went beyond the standard ways that Catholic theologians had thought at the time and really even still think today, some some of them. So in a sense, he brought um, some of the, the patrimony of, of what had been learned in Anglicanism and allowed that to kind of um, stew, if you will, uh, yeah. in, in his theological boiler as he was beginning to, to discover the sources of, of his Catholic conversion. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... But pretty late in his life, he offered his view on a lot of these different things um, behind a lot of his projects in something called the Biglietto speech, um, which he delivered in 1879 upon receiving word that he'd been named a cardinal. Oh, yeah. Um, so if I really recommend you read that speech. Um, but in it, he, first of all, confesses his own inadequacies. As right? many saints do, right? Uh, yeah. Like, yeah this He's is- the first to tell you, like, I ain't perfect. Um, and he, he says over the course of many years that he'd made many mistakes and that his work lacked that high perfection which belongs to the writings of the saints right Mm -hmm. he's very very humble Um, but despite these shortcomings there was he asserts an underlying continuity to his efforts right a a thread running through all of them one in which he took pride so he says I rejoice to say to one great mischief I have from the first opposed myself for 30 40 50 years I have resisted to the best of my powers the spirit of liberalism in religion liberalism in religion all one phrase Mm -hmm. never did holy church need champions against it more sorely than now when alas it 
it is an error overspreading as a snare the whole earth. And that was in 1879. 1879, yeah. So a little bit prophetic there. Um, so we'll talk about that in just a second, what he meant by liberalism and religion. Um, but in response to that, those temptations towards that kind of uh, thoughts on religion, he articulated this view of conscience um, as a natural mode of hearing God's voice. And really, I think what he's doing is just articulating what the church had always in intended to mean by conscience, but had kind of started to muddy. Like conscience, even now, conscience is kind of like that, we think of it as like that Jiminy Cricket voice, mm -hmm. or like the, the kind of referee that keeps you from like choosing bad things, when really like, that's, that's a negative view of conscience. It's not the, the enfleshed, incarnated view of conscience and right. what it's really supposed to be. He even calls um, conscience the aboriginal vic vicar of Christ. Ooh. Right? Wow. So like, so like a first vicar mm -hmm. of, Je of Jesus, a first, yeah. uh, a first minister, if you will, of Jesus is, is our conscience. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Because, I mean, you think about conscience, it's like the, the instrumental voice of natural law, right? If natural law is something that's written to our hearts, it's woven into our beings, mm -hmm. well, then there has to be some kind of communication between our consciousness and that that law, right? Hmm. Um, and so conscience is kind of that bridge that allows us to not only access, but to participate in that natural law in a way that is life-giving, is affirming, mm -hmm. makes us more of who we're called to be. Huh. Um, so I love I love is that Is that phrase, why my right? shoulder angel looks like a little Benedict XVI? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> mine too, <laughs> if only. Um, so, and this is really important, especially because we talk a lot to, in these days about like the primacy of conscience. Mm -hmm. And I always get nervous when people say that because I'm like, what do you really mean That's by right. that? That's right, clarify what you mean by yeah. primacy of conscience. Is it mm -hmm. conscience, uh, that little voice inside my head with no formation? Yeah. Or is it conscience with an external formation taking place that that kind of guides how it's supposed to work. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Reinhard Huter, um, I really love what he says about Newman's understanding of conscience. He says that it's essentially theonomic. Ooh. So theonomy is uh, the divine law, right? So nomos is just like law, theo law. is God, so the, the divine law. Um, so his uh, Newman's understanding of conscience has divine law as its foundation. So Huter says, conscience is not simply a human faculty, but is in its root constituted by the eternal law, the divine wisdom communicated to the human intellect, right? There's that communication again. Uh, it's upon his theonomic nature and upon it alone that the prerogatives and the supreme authority of conscience are founded, right? So conscience is not founded on my will. Right, conscience I think we should probably is not say that again. <laughs> founded on my will. That's a lot of what we think, right? When we think about follow your conscience, that kind yeah. of thing, we just tend to think of like, all right, well, do do what your heart tells you. Yeah, you know, follow your will. Yeah. But that's not it, right? Conscience is relying on divine wisdom, relying on the divine law of God, and how much we've educated ourselves in that law and been educated. Right, by that and it's law. important to say that d the divine law of God comes from outside of us. Yes. Uh, it is something that God tells us about himself by means of the sacred scriptures and tradition. Yeah. And, and God tells us what he wants us to know about himself and the way that we ought to live, certainly, first of all, in the Bible. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And so that would be perhaps one of the primary sources, if not the primary source in which we allow our conscience to be formed. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so this really dispels, this kind of theonomic framework dispels any notion um, that his emphasis on conscience could lead to some kind of subjectivist or relativist ethics. Because if, if conscience just means to follow my will, well, my will is different from Kathleen's will, is different from Father Chris's will. That's for sure. Right? So <laughs> then we have three different ethics, and that's just sitting at this table. So we're going to get into to issues, when, mm -hmm. especially when we go out into the world, and our ethics look completely different from 
from other people because our wills are not aligned at all with other people. And if it's fisticuffs, Kathleen will win. Yep, for sure. I got many a fist. Jack Johnson and Mike O'Leary coming at you. (laughs) Those are not my fist names, by the way. Mm. Keep going. Okay. Okay. Do you name your, I don't want to. No, no, I don't. Okay. So he, um, Newman takes precautions against that kind of misconception that this is a foray into subjectivism, um, false subjectivism, by distinguishing between conscience, right, rightly understood, and this counterfeit understanding of conscience that worms its way into the popular mindset. This is still how we think about conscience today. It's, it's long lasting um, mm-hmm. as lies go. Um, but this is what he says. He says, conscience has rights because it has duties. Mm. But in this age, with a large portion of the public, it is the very right and freedom of conscience to dispense with conscience, to ignore a lawgiver and a judge, to be independent of unseen obligations. He says that conscience is a stern monitor, but in this century, it's been suspended by a counterfeit, which the 18 centuries prior to it never heard of and could not have mistaken for it. And if they had, if they had, he says that is the right of self-will. And this is where you get the notion of uh, of a, a pro-choice situation, saying mm-hmm. th- this is this is my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You know, um, it belongs to me, and and I have determined that that it is so. Well, what, <laughs> there's more here. You yeah. know, yeah. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, and we all can recognize that, too. Like, you, it's not just in this, like, the pro-choice, the pro-life conversations. No, no, we but battle is, against this daily ourselves, yeah, right? Yeah, in, in Our almost every... disordered and fallen desires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in every arena, pretty much, of human life, we see this right of self-will mm-hmm. come into play. Um, Especially if there is an entire cheese pizza in my fridge. Yeah. Just going to say. Hmm. Yeah, with Italian sausage. <laughs> Might be there right now. I might be undergoing <laughs> some difficult times in my head right now. Just saying. In about an hour and a half, we're going to need to check in on That's Father right. Chris. I mean, I'm going to need to, to read some Newman this evening, I think. Yeah. So, um, you know, so this is, this is all nice and good when it's just in theory, right? But right. we have to eventually br- drag these things into practicality. Not drag them. They willingly want to go to there. Right? So how do we bring conscience into the, the realm of every day in a way that can be lived? So one of the ways that Newman does this is in relation to church authority, yeah. which is also something that, like, like I've, I said that and probably some of you, like, steeled, like, ooh. <laughs> church ooh, authority. Don't want to yeah. talk about that, right? Because it's another one of those tense issues, but it still was in his day, too. Um, But because Newman understood conscience as theonomic, right, as based on divine law, he consistently emphasized that the central concern of the moral life is to discern what God requires of us, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So in those matters of moral inquiry, right, those things that, that maybe have us fumbling, God doesn't leave us stumbling in the dark. Right, he's given us the church, mm-hmm. um, and the church can speak authoritatively on questions pertaining to divine and natural law. That's right. In fact, that's religio. That's religion. Huh? Yeah. The, the 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 giving of the law. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and that's I think where we, you know, we hear that a lot nowadays is that Jesus didn't didn't mean to found a religion. He wanted to just kind of found co people that were awesome to one another, mm-hmm. and and yet no, he he did want to give us a, a moral guide mm-hmm. um, that that flows directly from from his divine mercy, his divine life, and that flows from what he planted uh, in our hearts. Yeah, yeah, and what I I love about his theology, particularly when it comes to you know conscience and bringing it into ecclesial authority is he really brings out the truth of what the church is, of who the church is. Yeah. And this is not something new, like the church, uh, speaking of the church as a mother, right? But he really um, emphasizes this fact that, you know, the individual is not the master over his own life. And, uh, and I love that he brings that out because like God loves you more than that. 
mm-hmm. right? Um, the, the God who doesn't care about you is the God who makes you the master of your own life and says, like, whatever, just do it. Oh, and that wouldn't be God, actually. That would be a prince of darkness. Yeah. Wanting to lead you deeper into darkness. Exactly, right? Mm-hmm. But we're made for family. We're made for relationship. And so the fact that God gives us conscience, it gives us a way to, to have his law constantly communicated to us. And even then to, to spur us to conversation with him directly, right? Our conscience, especially if it's troubled, should lead us to prayer, should lead us to conversations with people who can guide us, right? All of these things are supposed to turn our gaze back to God yeah. um, to further that relationship, right? Because that's what we're made for. That's what we're created for. Um, but if we didn't have that then we would just be like set adrift and that's a really lonely and isolating and and horrible way to live and isn't that isn't that where our culture finds itself wanting um wanting to wanting solitude but wanting solitude apart from god well solitude apart from god is hell Mm -hmm. you know but solitude in the presence of god is is really what what heaven is that's rest you know but whenever we don't have anything to kind of guide our moral sensibilities, our conscience, mm-hmm. then we we really do risk kind of actually finding ourselves actively desiring solitude apart from the will of God. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we begin to live hell now whenever we don't allow our conscience to be formed well yeah. and properly. Yeah. And our, the desire of the church is not to like be some kind of dictator or tyrant over no, us right. when it comes mm-hmm. to moral matters, but again, to be that mother, right? To be the one who says like, mm, I don't know that you should do that, right? <laughs> Here's why. Um, but it's it's because, you know, conscience and ecclesiastical authority, he says they exist in a dynamic interrelationship, yeah. right? So that you really can't have conscience just kind of like fleeing off on its own because then you do kind of have that tendency towards self-will, mm-hmm. right? And then ecclesiastical authority still needs the the authentic voice of the people, right? Like I I have a conscience given to me by God. I have a way of, of understanding divine law given to me by God that's important to the church yeah so do you that's right um, and that's why that's why actual dialogue is important right not, not like fake dialogue yeah but being able to to kind of measure my experience of, of conscience and and you measuring your experience of conscience and then joining yeah. them together with what has been revealed to us by yeah. god uh, and that's actually i suppose where we begin to think about the development of doctrine and things right. like that that the sense of the faithful is not to to be exercised apart from the church and its mm-hmm. teachings and right religion, mm-hmm. but in concert with it. Yeah, exactly. So um, with all of this kind of in mind, um, he could see that society was drifting away from this traditional understanding of conscience that had been around for thousands of years. Um, and then its relationship with divinely established authority. Authority is not a bad thing. Um, but he anticipated this coming age of infidelity. And I mm. find all of this really prophetic. Mm. Um, especially because he says that the trials which lie before us are such as would appall and make dizzy even such courageous hearts as St. Athanasius, St. Gregory I, or St. Gregory VII. And they would confess that as that dark as the prospect of their own day was to them, ours has a darkness different in any kind from any that has been before it. Wow, that's... Uh it's dire, all right. Ooh, right? Um, but he's saying that because he's skeptical about all of these narratives of, of uninterrupted progress, mm-hmm. right? All these these promises that, no, 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 like, we can be so much more, we can be so much better if we just, like, kind of exert our own will. Yeah. That's not God. That's Nietzsche, you know, right? The, right. It's the worst bits of manifest destiny, right? Yes. Yeah. 
And so he says that, okay, well, there's some positive things. This is this is when we get into like the liberal tradition, the liberalism that we were talking about earlier. He says that there's much in the liberalistic theory that's good and true, right? Precepts of justice, truthfulness, sobriety, self-command, benevolence, right? These are great. These are natural mm-hmm. laws of society that that are um, also have ties into the 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 moral governance of the human soul, right? Yeah. These are good. Um, but he says that it's because those things are good, that they can kind of lure you in um, and play an insidious role in society, right? So he says that there's never, there was never a device of the enemy, Satan, so cleverly framed and with such promise of success, mm. right? Because it's, it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Right, and so liberalism that we're talking about when we say when uh, we're talking about Newman's liberalism, um, again, should not be confused with how we talk about that today. Right, we're not talking about political theories; we're talking about liberalism uh, in religion. And he says that this strand of liberalism is the doctrine that there's no positive truth in religion, Hmm. but that one creed is as good as any other. Ah, syncretism. Yes. So revealed religion is not a truth, but it's a sentiment, a taste. Right? Not an objective fact, not miraculous, and it's the right of every individual to, to make it say just what strikes his fancy. And that's what we, what we hear today when we hear folks say that Jesus didn't intend to have found a religion. He just wanted to found good feelings within us, and we follow yeah. those good feelings, mm-hmm. and that's our conscience. Mm-hmm. And if we follow those good feelings, we're set. Yeah. And yet we know that those things lie to us, yeah. right? <laughs> those yeah. good feelings lie to us. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, because in reality, our conscience should put us in touch with like the heart of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. The the law has been written into our hearts, right? That's yeah. the, the prophecy of the new covenant that was fulfilled in Christ. So this, this new law has been written into our hearts and it's the heart of Christ, right? Yeah. It's because Christ gives us his own heart. And because we have been ingratiated, we've been grafted onto that 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 heart ourselves by God, right? So and sometimes we experience the sorrow of that heart, right? Exactly, yeah. We experience the frustration of that heart, yeah, right. But that should always kind of turn our gaze back to, okay, where am I really? Who do I really exist in, right? Mm -hmm. If this heart that beats is not my own, right? It's been given to me, and so who has it been given to me by? And so when we when we reflect on the voice of conscience, it should always lead us to Christ. It should never lead me to myself, or not just. I shouldn't stop there, right? It's mm-hmm. my voice of conscience, but it should lead me beyond myself, right, to this transcendent. Um, because again, like it's a, it's, that foundation is that theonomic law, that divine law. Um, and so, you know, during Jesus' public ministry, he poses the, the question to his disciples, right? Who do you say that I am? So it's up to us in our day and age to figure out how we answer that question, right? Yeah. We're still being asked that question. As individuals and collectively. Yeah, and it's and it's our our duty, right? A conscience has rights, but it also has duties. It's our duty to to live with our um, guided by the voice of conscience, right? Submitted to proper authorities, right? Ask yeah. for ask for help, mm-hmm. right? We all need help, but we ask for help from the church because the church loves us and wants to be a mother to us. Yeah, and then we we go out into the world and we can see with clear eyes that that religion is not a taste, it's not a fancy, but it's something that's been given to us for our good. That's right, and it's something that we can begin that that allows allows us to begin to experience eternal life now, uh, which is which is the, the fullness of satisfied desire. Yeah. We can begin to experience that uh, by, by right worship, by right practice, and by rightly ordering uh, our desires to what divine law, to what God's divine love tells us about himself. All right. Well, if you've stuck with us this far, <laughs> we have a treat for you. It's that part of the show that we like to call the CU Pick of the Week. All right, our first pick of the week, uh, Kathleen. Un, uh, I, n- this is not 
normally you. You yeah. brought gadgetry. I did. Kathleen brought gadgetry cool. to the I gotta, show. I got to set it up. And not just any gadget. Jeff is like, what is that? Jeff, He's looking up on the satellite there. So much. Yeah. It's, yeah. Okay, this. <laughs> she's breaking Lord gadgetry as she's talking about gadgetry here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she knocked this, the microphone over there, folks. This is the DJI phone camera gimbal mm-hmm. by Oso, Osmo Mobile. Ooh, that's a lot yeah, of Yeah, okay, so what happens is you put your phone in here. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So there's like a little clamp. Right, yeah, yeah. So you have to, you know, adjust it. Right. Stick your phone in. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wait for it. Wait for it. Yeah, waiting for and it. And you tighten it back up. And then... It looks see, like a little monopod yeah, you hold with your like, hand. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, man, what's going on? And then watch what it's, happens. Is it powered? Is that yes. how this works? It swivels into action. Oh. Oh. And then you put on your camera, and there it is. You just like... You can walk with it, and it's got, it's got a gimbal on it, yeah. like a joystick. Like a little, right? uh-huh. Oh, yeah, so you can like... Uh, so, so, that, uh, so that you can keep uh, the camera steady. Right. Watch out, people. It mechanically keeps yeah. the camera steady. I'm going to, you never know what's going to happen. Those this things used to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. I know. It was like, yeah. um, I think it was like 60 bucks or something. What? Used, yeah. Uh, in the words so cool. of. Uh, I want two. Yeah. I'm just, about to get my in next. In the words of some hobbits, I'm getting one. When my next paycheck, I'm getting the boom mic that comes with it. Mm. The boom mic. You go ahead. Oh, yeah, because I got to look cool. I mean, let's be honest. I sound cool. And sound yeah, cool. Right. The world mm-hmm. needs Kathleen to have this. I think that's great. That's awesome. <laughs> right now, the only thing that I video is uh, Chunk because he's the only subject that I have. Oh, your dog. Yes. And when there's like natural disasters, can't forget those. Yes. yes. Those sure. are some when of my favorite things on the planet. pending natural disasters, mm-hmm. Kathleen, uh, Kathleen's alter ego yes. yeah. takes to social mm-hmm. media. And I can only imagine how much more it's going to be with this. Oh that is that's super a, cool. That's a pretty cool pick of the week. Yeah. Uh, Olivia, what you got? My pick of the week is this book called These Are the Moments by mm. Jenny Bravo. Um, cool. Yeah, and she's a she's local to Louisiana, right? Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did this activity with my students a few weeks ago where they had to like pick their favorite books. Oh my! And as yes. you um, might suspect, there were lots of romance options oh, in there. Yes. I see. And I was kind of horrified at the what, you know the the prospects and like not because like they're reading things that are inappropriate, just because it's like okay, like you have good desires, but yeah. like yeah. why would you want to read that? Yeah. Um, so, uh, like this book is written. She's Catholic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, and it's written from a, a young adult perspective, right? It's a kind of teen fiction, teen mm-hmm. romance. Um, but like even in the first, I haven't gotten too far into it. But like even in the first couple of chapters, it talks about how like um, she meets her friends who kind of follow her through life. The the main character does um, on the bus to a Catholic charismatic renewal like retreat. Um, yes. And so like she's she's kind of like not poking fun at like typical Catholic like tropes, but also like bringing them into like how this is just part of normal life. Um, yeah. And that was actually one of the most refreshing things is to read something where like they bring up something Catholic and they don't immediately like spike it down. Oh, that's um, kind, of, kind of Walker Percy-esque. You yeah. Know, where yeah. this is just, this is life. We yeah. lived. And she's got a really like cool writing style. Um, again, I haven't gotten too far into it, but it's become highly recommended. Mm. So yeah. These oh are the moments. God. Very cool by Jenny Bravo. We'll put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Uh, up on the satellite, Jeff, uh, you got to have a pick, don't you? Also in the show notes, yeah. This is uh, brand new. I hold in my hands a new six-song EP from the group called His Own, mm. uh, titled Oh, My Soul Awake. Uh, these three women who uh, are Catholic worship and praise leaders combine their voice, songwriting, musical talents. Kara uh, Klein Oob. Christine Simpson, no kin to Jessica, <laughs> and uh, Maria Spears, no kin to Brittany. Good, good. <laughs> These are just 
brilliant women and oh. their voices combined. Their harmonies are great. It, it just sounds so rich. Uh, recorded also, Sarah Kroger helped uh, write uh, some of the music on here oh, too. Cool. Yeah, uh, recorded at um, Paper Castle Records in Nashville. It's excellent. Behisown.com is where you can find out more. Very cool. Yeah, well, that link will certainly be in the show notes. My, uh, my pick of the week is fresh in its envelope. I just don't want it to bend. This is uh, the, the latest in Philip Kozlowski's Kickstarter. Yeah. You, like you, you recognize Philip because a lot of the articles he writes for Alatea we cover here in Catholic like Underground. Mm-hmm. But he's also a fantastic writer in his own right. Mm. And uh, he has joined with several illustrators to now tell the story of the mission of Joan of Arc. Nice. And uh, it's a very, very well done uh, um, graphic novel. Uh, actually, it's a, I guess it's a comic book, but it is also a graphic novel, I would imagine, right? Yeah. Uh, it's all in the writing. And uh, and so that's my pick of the week, uh, The Mission of Joan of Arc. We'll make sure that we put uh, the link to where you can find out information about it uh, and read more about it. Because one of the mm-hmm. things that uh, that Voyage Comics, which is the label that Philip mm-hmm. uh, came up with, beautifully invented, mm-hmm. uh, he blogs regularly, especially about uh, kind of comics culture. Uh, in in our modern religious culture and in the Catholic uh, sphere, so uh, so the mission of Joan of Arc is my pick of the week. I'm going to put it back in its protective box and yes. leave it there forever. <laughs> no, I'm going to read it because you know the priests are going on retreat this week, and so this, I mean, this is spiritual reading, right? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Joan the Bark. He'll transfer John, it to John the Bark. John, John the Bark. The printing is exceptional. The quality, fantastic. Is, yeah, yeah, for those who that's are, really are kind of one of the pluses of uh, of kickstarted things is that you know if you if you kind of go up to the bar of yeah. what they're asking for, they usually choose a, a pretty good printer and print process, yeah. and the artwork is beautiful. The oh, yes, very it good. is, man. It is so, gorgeous. So, yeah, that's uh, my pick of the week. Jeff, we are always so grateful to, to those of you who, who pick us day in and week out. With my hand over my heart, yes. This week, the Catholic Underground is possible because of people just like you. Join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. Also, an important way to support us is to like us, heart us, star us, and share us on your social media platform of choice. And if you really like our podcast, pop on by iTunes and leave us a review and click the stars, if you will, please. That's right. It doesn't really move us up in the rankings, but it helps other people know what you like or don't like about our program there in iTunes. And I think you can do the same thing on Spotify. Our panelists have been Kathleen Lee, the benefactress. She's at Kaylee626 on Instagram. Thank you, Kathleen. Anytime. Olivia Galino is at the.real.omg on all the social media. Thanks, Olivia. Yeah, thank y'all. Yep, our technical director is Jeff Blackwell. He's at Jeff Blackwell us on Instagram and Twitter at jeffblackwell.us, where you can find out about uh, his voiceover talents yes. if you might need him oh. for something like that. Thanks, Jeff. It's a privilege, Bob. Also, our research assistant, the leader of the crew in the lab, is Jim Hayes and his lovely wife and children. We're waiting for him to come back and visit. Uh We're in in, uh, Hayes' family withdrawal. Mm -hmm. Our video and our graphics director for this episode is Ed Ball. And you know me. I'm Father Chris Decker. You can follow me on Instagram at Digital Catholic. I know I promised you Inktober stuff. Haven't done it yet. I got to catch up. Come on, man. I got knee deep in worktober. We hope that we've helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice. We are the Catholic Underground. We are Faith Gone Digital. We will see you next time.